Welcome in to Two for One Drafts, PFF's new Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Austin Gale with Mike Renner. We've got a ton of good things today. Before I dive into the show schedule, though, we are now on Apple Podcasts. Yes. We finally got it up. We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and live on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays. Got to check it out. I know the podcast is great, the audio, but you got to see the faces, man. I got, you know, do you, do you have to see the faces? My I face at least. I mean, my <laughs> face at least. Anyway, um, yeah, I want to dive into the, the schedule, though. Sometimes with you. The outfits are yeah. bad. I, I, I will say <laughs> this right now. My fashion sense is in a word garbage, I think, but I'm um, trying to get better every two day. Two words, very garbage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I wanted to dive into the schedule. Let's kind of kick things off. You know, Mike Renner on the website dropped his risers and followers of the big board and his new, new t- big board. Yes. New top 50 list, all top 50 prospects, some good names on there. He still loves Jared Pinckney out of Vanderbilt. He has 26 receiving yards. I had to, I had to bring it up. 26 receiving yards. Doesn't look great right now, but I, I know you like him. You know, compared him to Antonio Gates in PFF's preseason draft guide. You did. Um, so we're going to talk the big board. That's what we're going to kick off with. And then going down further, we're going to preview a bunch of games and kind of separate it out by day. Thursday and Friday, college slate. There's some good games, some good prospects to watch. Saturday, of course, a ton of college football. Mike and I will be watching it together. Maybe a p- couple bevies. We might have a couple two-for-one yeah, drafts. I mean, we'll see. It is Notre Dame, Georgia. It is I Notre Dame, Georgia. It's going to be a full send. Notre Dame, Georgia, but yeah. Can't wait for the full send. Then Sunday, Monday, obviously pivoting to rookies. Going to be you know talking up some rookies. Josh Jacobs, Marquise Brown, some guys there. And then... Segment to finish, last call. We're going to be talking about games you have to watch. If you are a diehard rookies and draft prospects guy, have to watch Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that should be exciting as well. Let's just get into the big board. Now, I edited this thing. It's a monster. Some big risers, what you called rocket ships in a tweet, and then you also have some sinking ships as well, some guys falling out of the mix. So kind of kick things off. You know, what your overall take on where your top 50 is, top 50 list is right now. Yes, there were a handful of risers, guys who either weren't even in the draft guide. In the case of uh, Joe Burrow, Alex Leatherwood, Carlos Basham, Terrell mm-hmm. Lewis, those guys weren't even in the draft guide. Some guys who were in it, I was kind of hedging my bets if they were, you know, someone like Hunter Bryant, the Washington tight end, uh, didn't have a ton of snaps. Yeah. Was he for real? Was it kind of just a product of, uh, you know, how little he had played? Uh, and then a guy like Marvin Wilson, who uh, I liked a lot, mm-hmm. thought he, you know, had some good tools and is just taking it to a next, next level. So I guess we'll just go through one by one here and start off with Marvin Wilson. He started yes. at 46th on, uh, our draft board preseason. Like I said, I liked what I saw from 46. I'm kind of like a second, third type of rounder mm-hmm. after his true sophomore year has had a grade of 90, 90 plus pass rushing grade every mm-hmm. single game so far yeah. this season. Basically unblockable in obvious passing situations. Unit. So that is, to me, when you see a 315, 320-pound man who can play as many snaps as he has, uh, you know, he's on the field pretty much every snap there for that Florida State defense and play him at a high level. Then all of a sudden it's like yeah. – uh, and defense tackle class with guys with a lot of question marks – He's DT1 right now. Mm-hmm. He is DT1. You, you have to, you know, we talked about it on Tuesday. You have to watch this game against University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. The guy went against Power 5 competition and made it look like he was going against Portland State. Dominated the interior there. Really great pass rusher. He's so big. Very athletic for his size. And again, we, we said this last week too. Turned 21 years old like 10 plus days ago. Yep. The, the guy's only going to progress. He's still going to get you know mm-hmm. bigger. All that stuff. There's a lot of good things. With and then when you right see now. a guy go from one year, you know, freshman year, 67.3 pass rushing grade. Mm-hmm. Last year, 81.3. This past season, this season right now, 93.3. Like that upward trajectory, oh, yeah. you feel great about that because he's working on his game. He is refining it. He's doing the things he needs to do to get better. When you see a guy like Raquan Davis, on the other hand, Alabama guy, who I've said three straight years of pass rushing grades in the 60s, freaks athletic, but he's not doing what it takes, or maybe he can't do what it takes. Maybe he just doesn't have that next gear in him 
to get to that level as a pass rusher. So that's what you need to see. That's something we don't really hit on enough, that progression in the grades. You bring it up a good amount in our conversations, but seeing guys go from as true freshmen in the 60s to 70s and then 80s, that progression shows that they're getting better, obviously. I mean, that's what you obviously see with the numbers, but it's so important when you are projecting the next level that you're seeing a guy get better over time. Because I I tweeted out yesterday that, you know, I don't need to see any more Chase Young, Jerry Judy, and people are like, oh, they're not, you're saying they're perfect prospects. You're just trying to get out of work. No, they're not. (laughs) They're not perfect prospects. No one's a perfect prospect coming out, and that's the biggest thing. Everyone has to get better from college to the NFL. It is a big transition, no matter how dominant you are, and see a guy's who have you know been able to make that tra- transition one from high school to college and keep progressing, you feel good about it going from college then to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Other guys on your list, uh, Joe Burrow is is a rocket ship. I think yeah. that's a great way to call him. He wasn't right even now. in the draft guide, mm-hmm. that, that first draft guide. And now, seeing what he did against Texas, he's had some great games. And, and really, his passing grade on NFL throws, that's kind of the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Those downfield throws into tight windows is fantastic his, right now. His uh, adjusted completion percentage, 10-plus yards downfield, uh, is something like 84%. Jeez. Which would be, I think it would be second if it was just all throws. Mm-hmm. So, so him, when he's actually throwing down the field, the throws that you want to see a guy yeah. make the NFL level, is as good as anyone else's, literally on screens, behind the line of scrimmage, that sort of stuff. He is playing at a different level right now. Really only played one real competition in Texas uh, in terms of his schedule. Plays Vanderbilt this upcoming week, definitely one to, you know, not a great defense, kind of like a warm-up. If he still maintains that high level, you get real excited, mm-hmm. though, because it's still, you know, it's still SEC defense. No Vandy still, defensive yeah. back has a grade above 70.0 right now. It could be rip roaring. could be rip roaring <laughs> And that's what you want to see, though. You want to see him blow the doors <laughs> exactly, off. Like exactly. Exactly. So. And he's got so much receiving talent. I- I'm thinking mm-hmm. about Justin Jefferson and these guys going against a very bad Vanderbilt secondary. Maybe not a game to watch, just because you know what's going to happen. But yes. d- definitely one to check in on after Saturday coming through and look at how Jeff- Justin Jefferson performed against bad competition and Joe mm-hmm. Burrow as well. Other guys on your list. Canadian-born, this guy we bring up a ton, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. Talk to me about him. Yeah, so he lost 30 pounds over the course of the offseason, uh, was a pure nose tackle last year. I mean, still a nose tackle this year, but was like your more prototypical 330-plus pounder, kind of space eater in that Oklahoma defense. And you saw it on tape, though. You saw for a guy that size, he had a first step that was special uh, for a nose tackle uh, lost weight, though, like I said, lost 30 pounds, and that first step is even more special. Now, he is physically uh, right up there with any defensive tackle in the country with what he can do. And it was always kind of scratching the surface with his hands. He'd have reps where it looked good, and then the next rep he would just attack a block with his head down, no real plan of attack. Uh, that's sort of the coaching has taken hold. And, and you know, again, you love to see the coach take hold. You love to see a guy have done it already. Don't want to bank on all of a sudden him figuring that out at the next level. So Gallimore. Another guy, 90-plus pass rushing grade. Pass rushing grades on the interior, uh, to me, fairly indicative of you either got it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And he, the light has, the proverbial light switch has flipped on for him. Yep. Another rocket ship, mm. Carlos Basham Jr., oh, Wake Forest God. edge defender. Bull in a china shop, we call it on Tuesday's podcast. Mm-hmm. Very good, you know, athletically great build, has the size, you know, good juice off the snap. I think you talk about tools, has a ton of tools. This guy's already rocketed up to uh, 34, 34. On, yeah. on the big board after not even being in the not draft even, guide. Another guy not even in the draft guide, 34. Uh, like I said, pass rushing grade in the 60s last year, but was still kind of productive. But pass rushing grade in the 60s because he played a ton of snaps. Uh, only and had 52 pressures, but was basically not coming off the field. Mm-hmm. A lot of cleanup type of pressures, chasing guys outside of the pocket, and that's something that he's going to be able to do well, I think, in the NFL. When you have, when you're as explosive as him, he can track down quarterbacks outside of the pocket with his speed, consistently push the pocket. Uh, a good, like sort of a Brandon Graham type of player, 
to where uh, he's just going to that right tackle, the left tackle, wherever he, you're going to line him up at, is going to be, you know, is going to be squeezing. Yeah, he's going to yeah, be squeezing yeah. the quarterback. It's going to he's going to lose ground. He's exactly, going to he's lose going ground. to lose ground. It's not always going to result in a pressure, but that's just the type of player Basham is. That's a great, 6'4", that's a great five. So. Uh, a lot of, and that if you have a defense with two guys like that, uh, you know, sort of reminiscent of what the Vikings have with mm-hmm. Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter, it just makes life so difficult on quarterbacks because there's just nowhere to step up. And he is that type of player. That's why I like him, even though he's still kind of, like I said, he's still scratching the surface. He's not refined in terms mm-hmm. of pass rushing moves. But that big, that explosive, and already producing at the level he's producing now, that's very encouraging. And I think, you know, that's a, a big reason why not a ton of people are talking about this guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the polish to kind of win blocks super quickly with a great move outside, but he yeah. does consistently, constantly, he never leaves the field, but constantly is pushing the tackle into the backfield. He racks up what we call BDs, those beaten defenders kind yeah. of things, where he's maybe not getting a pressure on the quarterback before he throws it, but he's constantly wreaking havoc on passing downs. I think, mm-hmm. I think Brandon Graham, maybe not a comp, but a good no, example yeah. of what he can what do. Is that? Um, another rocket ship, give me another one. Hunter Bryant, Washington. Uh, we've touched on him before, the sort of tweener guy, 6'2", 240, but he has, he's averaging the second most yards per route of any player, period, in the country. Not I just do love ends. yards per route run. It's, second it's one of my favorite metrics for receiving he is right now. incredibly productive when he's on the football field after the catch, runs more like a wide receiver than a tight end, even though he's 240 pounds. He is your prototypical. If you're someone like a, uh, the Rams, who uses a lot of those tight sets, you're not going to ask him to block uh, defensive end one-on-one, set the edge. But they bring them across the formation. They have their guys block out in space. He can do that and still be a matchup nightmare from a receiving sort of position. So if you're someone like that, uh, it deploys the tight end that way. This guy could legitimately be a first-rounder for you. Uh, he is that talented as a receiver. That would be a good scheme fit on our board. What the Rams do with Higby and Gerald Everett is, is yeah. so smart for how good what they're those guys do they're, well. They're not you know? inline blockers. Like Higby yeah. and Everett coming out, we're not blocking tight ends. Mm-hmm. I remember Gerald Everett from my San Diego State days, rough, you know, destroying San Diego State back to back years and big upsets. Gerald Everett, great receiving tight end, not a good blocker, but that doesn't mean he can't be, have a huge impact. And it's how do you when those guys are on the field, those two are on the field, how are you are you going to treat them like wide receivers or are you going to treat them like tight ends and put in heavy personnel, you know, match with multiple linebackers yeah. to try to stop the running True. game? If you if that's what you choose, then all of a sudden you have a mismatch in the mm-hmm. pass game. So that's what the type of player the Hunter Bryant is. You compare the Rams' use of eleven personnel and how many times they see base defense, so you know that four mm-hmm. three look or a three four look. It's nowhere near to what other people are running eleven personnel because that eleven, that tight end that they do have, is yeah. rarely kept in the block. He's always running routes and always kind of creating mismatches against linebackers and mm-hmm. safeties. That's a great comment. Let's go to the uh, the sinking ships, or do you want to talk on that last rocket ship, Terrell Lewis, Alabama? Oh yeah, we'll talk yeah. one yeah. more rocket ship, yeah. Terrell Lewis. Uh, we have touched on him again in the pod before, uh, you know, comparing him to Anthony Jennings. I think he is the better NFL prospect uh, in terms of what he brings to the table. He's a year younger as well uh, there. I think he's a redshirt junior at Alabama. Uh, Anthony Jennings is a redshirt senior at this point. Lewis had the ACL injury last year. Uh, I've liked him ever since, you know, freshman year. He had something like 80, uh, 8.9 overall, or 89.1, excuse me, overall grade on 54 snaps. But as a true freshman, to even I don't care who you're playing to grade out that well in any sort of game yeah. is impressive at the college level. So loved him ever since then. I think he has uh, a, a, the combination of bend and burst that uh, is just what you want to see Good size. The, if you're projecting to the NFL. So six five length. Uh, he just has a lot of tools. S- still not like a perfect prospect. Not quite up there uh, explosively with a guy like Julian Aquara. That's why he's a lot higher. On the list, and but a sample size. He just has a good, yeah. He just has a good sort of 
NFL body at this point with a production to match uh, this season. So I think second round right now is where uh, I'd see him. He's 44th on our board. Yeah. I mean, you look at the sample size, he's not played a ton of snaps. Only has over... 301 in his career. Yeah, 301 in his career. I think he played 57 snaps against South Carolina. It's the most snaps he's ever played in a single game. 34 pass rush snaps. When you start to see that sample size and good production off of it, mm-hmm. you can start to buy into the traits and the twitchiness you see in bursts. Because if you do it against a larger sample size and the grades start to match, that's when you can really start to get excited. Love that rocket ship. Let's go to the sinking ships. ships. Not, not as exciting. You know, don't like to see you guys falling down this. You know, at this and point I say sinking class. ships purely for the uh, sort of dichotomous effect of yes. rock ships, sink Ooh, ships. They're, they're, pu- they're really just uh, guys who fell for one reason or another. And mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, sometimes calling a guy a faller is all relative in terms of, I put Justin Herbert on this list. I called him a fall. He fell down to 14th on our board. Yeah, the exactly. 14th it's all relative. On, the 14th player on your draft board is a very damn good player mm-hmm. most years. There should be a damn <laughs> yeah. good player. So to I mean, call all the top 50 to call players are, are, are very good. It's more relative to preseason expectations that we set, where we put this guy, and now where we see them Absolutely. three weeks in. Kick it off with Herbert. So Justin Herbert, like I said, went from 7 to 14. Love the arm talent. Arm talent un unmatched in the country right now in terms of draft prospects. He has the best combination of arm strength and accuracy of anyone in the country. can put it into any window he wants to down the field. It's what's between the ears. That is the scariest thing to mm-hmm. me. You go back to the overthrow, that overthrow in Hill Mary against Auburn. Had a play last year at the end of, I think it was the Arizona game, where they're getting blown out. And he dives for the goal line and just takes a shot. With, like, for no reason whatsoever, like, you don't need to be doing that with, like, 30 seconds left in the game. Just get out of there and stay healthy, and he just gets rocked. He just doesn't have any sort of – he's not – he's the anti-gamer. He is the anti-Trace McSorley. He's just not – like, he doesn't do what it takes to win. And now I do think the offense he's in at Oregon, not necessarily set up for his strengths. He is a mm-hmm. downfield passer. He has a cannon of an arm. Uh, he can throw with timing down the field – that offense is underneath, dink and dunk, screens, get it out of your hand quickly. I don't think he's a quick processor. I think he needs to see something open down the field and let it rip. Uh, so I, I think that could help him at the next level if you're in an offense that suits him a little bit better. And I think I, if I would say it right now, even after it was the Auburn game, second half, that, again, came up real small in a big game, just wouldn't push the ball down the field when it was calling for him to push the ball down the field, that's concerning uh, but I'd still say he's probably the favorite to be the number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I think just when you look at his arm, the arm, and mm-hmm. that's so much about the NFL evaluation. Is just can I work with this arm? I can teach him the, you know, I can teach him an offense, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Does he have the arm to work with? I think they're going to say, look at his arm, look at Tua Tagovailoa's arm. I would not be surprised if the Dolphins send your Evanson tank for Tua. I would not be surprised if it's tank, tank for, for her. Herbert come wow. next April. Well, you know, you bring that up and you talk about between the ears and maybe not a gamer. I kind of, what comes to mind for me is you see this stuff before the season starts that scouts or NFL personnel are concerned because he never left Eugene and is really taught, you know, like a home kind mm-hmm. of body. Is, are you, are you, is that kind of matching up with kind of what you see or what? I, I, I laughed at that before <laughs> the brief. I was like, are you kidding me? The guy's never left home and now it's a concern. I, I'm just going to say I'm not the only one, like, who thought there was something just mentally off by his game. I remember talking with Zach Robinson, now the QB coach yeah. for the Rams. He used to be our QB guy. Uh, I trust his take on uh, quarterbacks very uh, implicitly. He said to me, he's just, there's something off. And we came to this conclusion independently. I'm like, oh, my God, like, we thought the exact same thing. He's like, there's something off. Uh, he'll just have Man. games where he's not – he's basically like – Not dialed in. Just, or, yeah, something's yeah. wrong with w- the way he's processing his reads. 
thinking about going home to Eugene. Yeah, yeah. it just and again, just <laughs> call them. Maybe shows on the road. Not, that distance not, yeah, away from home. doesn't have the sort of game, doesn't have the sort of feel mm-hmm. for the football for the position of quarterback, and that's worrisome to me because that reminds me of someone like Mitch Trubisky coming out, where it was just like I think it was the NC State game where it just fell apart mm-hmm. and. You, it was not. It wasn't necessarily bad decisions. It was what the hell is going on with yeah. him right now. Decisions. So let's stay on QBs. KJ Costello, the Stanford quarterback, has Oof. not looked good. Yeah, it, it suffered, suffered a big L against UCF. <laughs> that was a blowout, and and then some. This guy, you know, looks the part. I feel like a lot of people yeah. say looks the part. He's tall. All those things. He's he's falling down. Unranked now, outside the top fifty. So I loved his ability last year to throw into tight windows, and I thought it was almost a product of the talent around him at Stanford uh, and that offense they were in that he had to throw into tight windows a lot. And I love the way, like, when you're throwing into a guy who's covered, you can put it in harm's way. You can put it on the DB's leverage, or you can put it on your receiver's leverage and give him a chance. I thought he was great at giving his receivers a chance. I think the more I've seen, though, this year from him, the more I've seen him press to try to do too much in terms of winning games for Stanford. And you saw it this past week against UCF so much. I, I go back to the Keanu Reeves uh, back in, uh, gosh, the movie, that The Replacements, okay. where he's talking about quicksand. Oh, Whereas wow. it, he was just oh, nothing man, was there. What a great e- nothing, quote. <laughs> nothing was there early for him. Nothing was coming easy to him early. And then he just starts pressing mm-hmm. and he starts trying to force more throws and made some just ugly, ugly bad mm-hmm. decisions with the football. And for a senior to be doing that, to be pressing, going mm-hmm. to, you know, having that quicksand feeling Jeez. that Keanu Reeves had, it, you should be, you might get Falco. that as a freshman Shane sophomore. Falco, Shane Falco, okay. excuse me, not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> as a freshman and sophomore, you can excuse that. As a senior, you can't excuse away that sort of – you have to play within the offense. You can't press like that. That's worrisome to me. So, to me, the the the, hot, the niceness of him being able to throw into the tight windows sort of became almost a negative now in terms of he's doing that too much, trying yeah. to make too many plays with it, and that's why he goes from 35th to unranked. Dude, replacements when I was a kid, I think I was still like in high school football or whatever it was when I came out. I don't yeah. know how old I was, but that movie got me jacked. When they oh, throw that, that scene when they talk about what you're most afraid of or your biggest fear, <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm afraid of very sand. I'm ready to sink. It, it, very good movie. Um, this, this podcast getting a downer feel, okay? You're like bringing me down these sinking ships. I'm ready to just you know quit right now. Can we get one more sinking, one more sinking ship, ship from you? And let's dive into some prospects to watch. A little bit more energy. Ring up the worst yes. episode. I mean, part of the replacements movie, the downers part. Come on, right. one, one more, more sinking, sinking ship. ship. We're gonna do Prince Hagawanogo, uh, Auburn left tackle, because it's gonna lead us into one prospect matchup to watch uh, on the this weekend uh, t- tonight, actually Thursday. But Prince Hagawanogo. Auburn left tackle. I was really hyped for him coming into this year. Dude had only played uh, – he only hadn't played offensive line until he started at Auburn wow. as a freshman, until mm-hmm. he came to Auburn. Never played offensive line. Only played one year of high school football uh, back uh, before he was recruited. And I upward – and together, the guy, upward trajectory of his career was great. I didn't love his movement skills, but he took great angles at pass rushes, I thought. But now he's gotten exposed. He got exposed against Tulane. Edge defender Patrick Johnson gave up four pressures in that game. Uh, I just the foot speed isn't there. It, yeah. It's not there for the top tier tackle. It's not saying he can't get it done. I actually gave him a comp with Morgan Moses, who had some pretty poor testing athletically, and has been one of the few who has overcome that you know bad foot speed to be a average to above average tackle in the NFL. But I think that's kind of who that's that's his best case scenario at yeah. this point, something like that. And when that's a guy's best case scenario, so few guys end up reaching their best case scenario to where I, I just. I thought you'd see more. I thought you know, some of that foot speed was just a product of him being new to the position, slow mm-hmm. to process. And if it's still slow to process, though, the last year before you're about to play in the NFL, 
that's where it's like. I've got, I got two comments on our boy Prince losing mm-hmm. his crown here. You know, 67.0 overall grade in 2017, 670 offensive snaps, blows up to an 80, you know, 84.0 overall grade, 88.4 pass blocking grade yes. in the SEC. Yes. You're starting to think, okay, six foot seven has just started playing football, that upward trajectory. Exactly. And then I see, I see his, you know, um, Grade drop now. He's down to a 66.3 pass blocking grade through two weeks. And equally, the other comment, I saw, you know, Patrick, um, Tulane guy. You Patrick just, Johnson. Yeah, Patrick Johnson. Go, I'm going through his grades, kind of looking at different things. I see he has a super high pass rush grade. I see it's from Tulane. It's like, okay, he's probably played no one. And I dive in. No. He's doing this against Prince. Yes. Like, okay, Patrick Johnson's starting to be a name, KB, to kind of pop on for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Patrick Johnson. So that's, let's just lead us into the Thursday slate here. Thursday slate. Josh Jones, Patrick Johnson. Now, Patrick Johnson, the edge defender that we just talked about. Tulane, quick, only a junior, uh, has a couple more years of eligibility. Would I'd be surprised if a guy like that comes out after his junior year. But he's going up against Josh Jones. So this is a good test for Josh Jones, Absolutely. the guy who just cracked PFF's top 50, a riser that I didn't actually even throw into our riser segment for us. Uh, Houston left tackle. We've talked about him before. Athletic pod, can move. Athletic can move. Long arms. Pass sets are a little bit of a work in progress. It's going to need to be you know redone from the ground up his feet. Uh, just they haven't been coached well mm-hmm. necessarily there at Houston, but you love what he can do athletically, and this will be a great matchup to see both of those guys. Johnson quick, loves has a good inside counter. Jones probably hasn't seen a guy quit quite the inside counter that uh, Johnson does, yeah. so that'll be a good one to watch. This Patrick Johnson, night. you look at his 2018 grade, 91.3 pass rush grade, over 40 pressures this year, already beating up guys named Prince Tegawanoho. Um now, and I want to talk more about Josh Jones. Yes. You go, going into Josh Jones, I had some notes here. Three, you know, three-star recruit coming out, high school offensive tackle, also played basketball. After his redshirt year, pass blocking grade improved every year. 73.1, 80.8, now up to an 88.3. And this guy has been playing significant snaps for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. They put this guy in right out of the gate, right after his redshirt year. He's gaining that experience. And you talk about you know, true pass sets and, and reps in pass blocking, having a better, you know, giving you a better idea of how to translate this guy to the next level and predict his future success. I think when, when it all said and done, you're going to have a four-year sample size for Josh Jones with significant work all throughout. Yep. You're going to be able to dive into these numbers and see just how much he's going to be able to project the next level. And that's with his technique and his feet that you speak to still needing to get better. You know, mm-hmm. If you're that athletic and you already have this kind of production with sloppy feet and sloppy technique, you get to the NFL level, you're coached up a yes. little bit, I think, I think that could be huge. And that's the thing is this is probably his last test for a real edge defender that he's going to see until Senior Bowl. Yeah. So th- this is it for him. It's probably you know his evaluation. I don't want to say it ends here, but this is your best uh, chance to see him before uh, Senior Bowl, which I'm I feel fairly confident he's going to be getting a Senior Bowl invite here. Friday game to watch Utah USC. That should be a great game. You know, two Pac-12 guys. You know, a lot of I think there's. So, some great prospects in this one. Zach Moss cracked your top 50, cracked the, the top running 50. back. Running backs cracking the top 50. You got to pay attention. PFF might actually care about these guys. He's forcing a ton of missed tackles, great yards after contact. You talked about balance ratio mm-hmm. on the Tuesday podcast, how much he's good, you know, creating <laughs> yards after contact, adding yards above expectation. I put in my notes here, though, you have all these things his yards after contact improving, his rushing grades improving every year. I need some more targets. Yep. I need him to catch. I, I, he's got two drops on 10 catches over the past two years, only 57 receiving yep. yards. If he's going to be a top 50 pick for me, and yep. I think for PFF when it's all said and done, you need to see that he can catch the ball out of the backfield and add as a pa- you know on passing downs. Yeah, his hands, uh, I mean, he's had four drops in his career. It was used more as a receiver well back in 2017. Yep. 
But again, you, you need to see guys run. Running routes is probably the biggest thing that helps out. If I were a receiver, or excuse me, a running back at the college level, I'd be begging my coach, like, split me out wide. Like, let me run some routes. Yeah. You do that even a little bit. Uh, I've seen DeAndre Swift is one of the few running backs in college football who's even, like, you've seen done that. And you see a guy do it even for a little bit, catch a few passes there, you're like, oof. Like, that's exactly all of a sudden that like changes your perception mm-hmm. of And you're seeing that more and more in the private workouts in the NFL level, yeah. having them like, kind of split out and run some routes, see how like, kind of fluid they are athletically. You can tell the athleticism with the ball in their hands, but you know, from that, from a polished standpoint, can they perform those in breaking routes from the slot mm-hmm. and outside? I think that's what I really want to see with Zach Moss. Another guy, I don't know if we've even touched on this, but I, I kind of like Michael Pittman Jr. Okay. Six foot four, 220 pounds. And why, why I bring that up is because you don't notice that immediately. He looks like a smaller, quicker guy. He has mm-hmm. more wiggle for his size, in my opinion. I, I went, you know, went up to look at his size, and I was expecting more of a 6'2", 200, just given how quick he is off the snap. And he has some wiggle. I also like his contested catchability. Very sure-handed. Only one drop in his career. I, I think this is a guy I want you to watch. I always come to you with maybe get like my Aesop Winston Jr. at Washington State. This receiver. Watched him a lot last year on somewhat of a limited sample size. There wasn't a ton of wide receiver win situations, one-on-one matchups. But this year, already off to a good start. Some good contested catches. I like Pittman. That's interesting because I've watched uh, the other two guys. They're Tyler Vaughn, Tyler Vaughn, Ross, St. Mm-hmm. Brown. St. Brown, who that's a name to watch. That's a first-round type of guy Absolutely. in 2021. Only a sophomore there. Uh, but that's the USC receiving core. If you like Pittman, I haven't watched a bunch of him. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty darn good receiving core. Absolutely. Vaughn's, uh, and Stephen Carr, the running back, can catch out of the backfield, year. too. Uh, this SC team might actually be talented. I'm not. It pains me to admit it, but they might actually have some talent on this SC <laughs> there you team. Go. So, uh, um, yeah, but, yeah, I like Vaughn's as well. So this this is a pretty loaded USC receiving core at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the Saturday slate. That was our Thursday, Friday slate previewing the college games. We're going to dive right in to the Saturday slate, the meat mm-hmm. of college football. It's when, are you a natural? <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. You need that song. When you're when on the couch. Hits, Hungover, yes. you hear natural, oh. you know it's college football. Saturday. Oh man, when that song hits, it's you sometimes Michael sometimes texts me all caps natural, <laughs> and I just know I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Cracking open it's Saturday. The natties, there we is. Yeah. Um, so let's preview this Saturday slate. Big game. Alma mater for Mike Renner, Notre Dame taking on Georgia. I think it's an eighty-point underdogs. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> it's high. It's a little but lopsided, but there's. Four, it was fourteen and a half, which again, this isn't our betting pod. Go yeah. listen to the forecast to hear that. But that's absurd. Go hammer Notre oh, Dame. I'm not. I don't homer, know what Greenline's saying about Notre this Dame. one, but if I'm just looking at pure NFL. I'm talent. diving into it right now. If, have if to do we're it. just doing this based off of the NFL talent of the respective teams, that's an absurd line for me because I think they're. When it comes 2020 draft, we'll see that they have a fairly equal share mm-hmm. of uh, NFL draftable type of talent. Yeah. Well, right now, you go to the you know follow PFF forecast. That's where they talk the betting and all the analytics. That's with Eric Eager and George Chahuri. But Notre Dame at Georgia is our game of the week in PFF Green Line. You can check that out for free. You don't have to be a subscriber. Right now, Notre Dame cover cover odds of that 14 point spread. 55%. That's mm. pretty good. Might that need is. to throw some money on that one. Throw yeah. some juice on that one. Anyway, let's talk prospects. That's what we're here for. There is a ton of prospect talent in this yes. one. I think there's going to be good matchups. In addition, just overall good prospect play to watch. I really like some guys in the Georgia secondary, but let's start in the trenches. Andrew Thomas taking on Aquara and Khalid Kareem as well. Yes. He's going to have his fair share of both. Thomas, highest graded offensive tackle in college football right now, yes. if I'm not mistaken. This guy, huge test for him. He could really establish himself as maybe an OT1. Right yeah, now. This is going to be a great tape for Thomas to throw on. Scout's going to be watching this tape all spring because this is as good an edge duo as he's going to find. And they're both very they're very different in that Aquara, spe- speed off the line of scrimmage, can be, can bend the edge, rush you with the speed to power. 
Khalid Kareem not going to go off the edge on you. He's not going to he's not going to get the burst off the line of scrimmage. But he's a former defensive tackle there, played DT early in his career, trimmed down a little bit. Now he's a bull rusher, going to win with his hands. So you got two different types of guys that are going to deploy two different types of you know skill sets, two different move sets at you. I just worry if they're going to go this run heavy attack because it's a slim Notre Dame front. Yeah, and that Notre Dame front is not built to stop the run. They're built to attack the pass. And Georgia, well, they're one of the you know, run heavy. They're still old school throwback, put mm-hmm. in two tight ends. And they got a running back to do it. Throw, and with DeAndre Swift. So that's the only thing I worry about. And yeah, you love seeing Andrew Thomas in the run game. I don't have a lot of questions about Andrew Thomas in the run game. Mm-hmm. The dude's a monster. It's the passing game I need to see. Can he hold up against speedier? More athletic. Can he hold up against Julian Aquara? I don't know. So he we're rooting for Notre ton. Dame to so go this, up 21-0. Yeah, we need to see a lead from Notre Dame early. Maybe even go up like 35 nothing. That would be probably ideal for Andrew Thomas's evaluation. Here. Four million lights in. Notre Dame's <laughs> up 14-0. And we're watching Andrew Thomas in true pass sets. I mean, does it get better? No. Anyway, that, I had some notes on that's, Thomas. That's ideal scenario for you know, Great grades right now. I wanted to dive a little bit into the background. You know, True freshman, played at right tackle, then moves to uh, left tackle as a mm-hmm. sophomore. He's playing left tackle now. Just starting at tackle as a true freshman, insane already in the SEC. What he's done is, you know, he's a five-star prospect. I put in here playing like one, and his grade has improved. Again, you talk about that upward trajectory. Improved every year, 68.4 as a true freshman. Yeah. Insane for the SEC. 80.6 this past year and already had a 94.2 in 2019. Six foot five, 320 pounds, but moves like a power forward. Yes. You know, it looks like big baby mm-hmm. Glenn Davis out there, very athletic. And only 29 pressures allowed in 985 pass blocking snaps in the SEC. Yeah. Incredible production for Thomas. I think the, the, the background, the five-star status, all that stuff matches with the production you yeah. see in PFF grades in advance. And there, there's a ton of, this game's got a ton of matchups, a ton of great prospects. Oh. I mean, you go up and down these rosters, the guys, the amount, the amount of guys that are probably going to be drafted, it's, it's in the double digits mm-hmm. uh, come next April. Andrew Thomas won, but just along that George offense line, you have Solomon Kinley, uh, Ben Cleveland, most yep. likely going to be Ben Cleveland's drafted. graded out really yeah, well guard. to start as well. Jake Fromm, quarterback, obviously, DeAndre Swift. Uh, George Pickens not quite draftable yet, but yeah. he will be there Fake ID. someday. Yeah, he will be at some point. You got J.R. Reed, the safety for Georgia. Richard LeCount, uh, Eric Stokes as well. Not Ooh. sure he's going to declare. Monty Rice. Uh, I'm a fan of Malik Herring on their interior there for Georgia. So that's a ton of guys from NFL just for the talent. 2020. Flip side, Notre Dame. Chase Claypool at wide receiver, 6'4", 230. Uh, big big dude. dude. Came from big Canada. Dude. Uh, big ass receiver. You can see him better in contested catch situations. This one will be big for him in terms of uh, Georgia presses a ton. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Eric Stokes has run the eighth most snaps this year in press coverage of any cornerback in college football. Seeing a big dude be able to get off press is key mm-hmm. when you're that size. So that'll be big for Claypool to see that. You have Claypool. You have Liam Eichenberg at left tackle. Uh, I think he is the best on that Notre Dame offensive line. Probably a day two uh, type of offensive lineman. Tommy Kramer at right guard. Probably going to end up draftable. The guy looks like he's 40. <laughs> His picture looks like he's like got the Mike McGlinchey That's face. That's the Notre Dame the no- specialty. The Notre Dame special, 40-year-old at guard, at somehow 19 years old. <laughs> and then Troy Pride uh, in the Notre Dame secondary, one of the fastest cornerbacks in the country. He's long, Aloe too. Gilman he's got good size. And Jalen like Elliott. So there's just a ton of talent on these teams. The most draftable talent that's faced off in any game, in my, uh, my opinion. This season, talk about so, a game to watch. So many matchups to watch. This will be this will be taped to throw on continuously. Eight I don't o'clock. think it's going to be as one sided as mm-hmm. the yeah the sounds a little biased for me. That's biased right now. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is because Ian Book 
uh, is not very good. I got, I got to talk That's specifically about my guy, Eric Stokes. You bring him up. I wrote an article for PFF.com before the season started yes. looking at a small sample size. This guy allowed, I think, 10 receptions on 25 targets in 2018, running a ton of press. It's not like, yeah. you know, when, when you're oh, charting yeah. these guys, he runs a ton of press, a lot of one-on-one situations, played well against Colin Johnson. Maybe got away with a little DPI in the end zone. That's, but these, these, yeah, he's these, physical. Uh, That's like Georgia, DeAndre Baker. George Corner's bullies. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what their coach yeah. does. So. so look at you know, looks great in press. Uh, 84.3 coverage grade a year ago. Only uh, six passes defensed uh, um, this past year. I, I do think Eric Stokes, uh, you, you talk about reps, you know, true pass sets for offensive tackles. Press true reps. True coverage reps. Yeah. True coverage reps for cornerbacks. That, that's, that's fantastic. Because you, you see that from Ohio State. They run a ton of man yeah. on, you know, man to man, man on. I mean, the, big, that's why, uh, the reason why some of the DBUs of recent years are DBUs is because the coverages they play. Exactly. They are playing NFL coverages. They're being Whoa. coached NFL sort You're of stuff. NFL and throws, that's so big to NFL do. NFL pass sets. NFL coverages. Jeez. We are really just groundbreaking right now. But I, I, I can't agree more, though. And Eric Stokes has a great matchup with Chase Claypool. I think he's going to shut him down. I'm on Eric Stokes' bandwagon. Let's talk DeAndre Swift. Five-star yes. prospect, very high rushing grades all three years at Georgia. And it's not. I, th- I would say if you're a five-star running back, similar to if you're like a super athletic NFL running back, it's going to be easy to earn high rushing grades in the PFF system because mm-hmm. you have that natural athleticism. You're forcing missed tackles, very shifty, explosive plays come easy for you. He's had very high yards after contact per attempt right now, and 35 on your big board. That's a running back. The reason is receiving ability. Mm-hmm. He can split wide. We talked about he can split wide and run actual routes, and is a weapon in that regard. He has probably the best receiving skills of any back in this draft class, mm-hmm. and so I think they're actually special in terms of uh, we've seen we've seen it more this year than any other year in the NFL in terms of getting running backs down the football field, you know, 20 plus yards yeah, sort yeah. of targets. A dot. Guys A-dot. being able to track the ball on those has is the value is skyrocketing mm-hmm. in the NFL right now. So I think uh, as much as we say running backs don't matter, the guys that can do that are valuable. Absolutely. Well, one last guy we'll bring up before we dive into the other games for the Saturday slate, Aloha Gilman. Yes. This guy, he plays bigger than he looks. I, I, five foot right. 11, 202 pounds, but he looks bigger. He looks We've like a, in the office talked about Plays a very similar style to um, Harrison Smith. I know the comp is easy, but he can play single high, but better at a two high system where he doesn't have to have that much range. Yes. But I think he's played he's played really well last year. Or um, yeah. only two receptions allowed for thirty yards this season. I, I think. What do we need to see from him? You know, you talk about this game being big for a lot of people. What, what do you really need to see from him to kind of be all, not all in, but at least understand where he's at? It's you know? tough because the range is the biggest concern. Exactly. It, it just if he's in space. Uh, if you're playing him deep, you know, single high sort of role, that's, he's not going to be a game changer. He's not going to affect the game. I want to see him more affect plays around around the line of scrimmage because uh, he plays. They play a lot of quarters, a lot of too high, and he's sort of that. You know, you have such a small zone that you have to cover, and it's sort of an easier assignment than a lot of people uh, than a lot of roles of safety could be in. I, I just want to see him uh, being able to make plays against good competition from that role because we saw Clemson game last year really torpedoes draft stock. He got exposed a few times with his lack of speed in that game. Uh, I, I think more of a box role is what he's best suited at in the NFL. So. All right, let's get a tie a bow on Georgia, Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Go to pff.com and check out. That's the game of the week. You don't yes. have to be a subscriber. You can check it out in Green Line, how Notre Dame's going. I know if Notre Dame's going to cover that cover probability, it should be a good one to watch for if you got some juice on it. Also, if you're looking to just watch prospects, mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Let's move on to our next game. Renner, before we dive into this guy, I know you see him on our little pod notes here. I watched Alex Highsmith. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. Guy's got some juice, legitimate speed. I dove into the background. You need to hear this. <laughs> so the reason, the reason he didn't go uh, get him, he's a walk-on at Charlotte. There's one thing to be, like you talk about, um, 
Yeah. Former Clemson slot receiver, Hunter Renfro. He's yeah, a walk-on at Clemson. Clemson. It's hard to be a walk-on at Clemson, mm-hmm. though. This guy was a walk-on at Charlotte. And the reason why his dad, in this interview, he was a late bloomer. Apparently, he was, like, fat and overweight and small in Damn. all of high school. Sounds and like now, me. Yeah, <laughs> like all of us, I'm a late bloomer. I'm still waiting. Like, 30 years old, I'm telling you, I'm going to be looking jacked. <laughs> yeah. But late bloomer, walked on at Charlotte. Now, six foot four, 245-ish pounds, mm-hmm. and really... When, when I popped on the tape, you, you ha- he has a, the highest pass rush grade of any edge defender in the class right now. Yes. Or not in the class, in, in the country. Yeah. And he has twitch. He has that explosiveness. Mm-hmm. And he has some moves. I compare him to like kind of, you look at Carlos Basham, Bull in the China Shop. This guy is not no, as, he's right, yeah, yeah, he's not as um, frantic, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy maybe owns the China Shop, like we said. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more polish. He's got a great matchup against Clemson. Yes. Going uh, Tremaine Ancrum and Jackson Carmen, both really good uh, pass blocking grades right now. Mm-hmm. This is his game. If he wants to be like considered as a top map. prospect, yeah. he needs to have a good game. Yeah, Ken- Kendall Vilder, the cornerback from Georgia Southern, dominated Clemson last year, had a monster game against Clemson, put himself on draft maps. You probably have heard about him because of that. Mm-hmm. Alex Highsmith has the same opportunity right here. He doesn't yes. play a, a damn. He doesn't play a tackle that's going to sniff the NFL the rest of the year. It, this is it for him. It's going against accountants. If he goes up against uh, Jackson Carmen, who looks like he's going to be a top prospect in a couple of years, and then Ankrum, who's probably more of a tackle to guard convert, but again, another guy who's going to probably be playing in the NFL, he goes against them and shows out. You get, here's your senior bowl invite. Show out there. Here's your you know draft invite. Now, I'm not going that far, but yeah. no, there's a lot to like about this guy as a prospect. Gonna be a big game for him. And you have to hope he to recognizes watch. that. You yeah. know, if he if he has you know aspirations of playing in the NFL, yeah. he needs he knows going into this game, I need to have like a five six pressure performance, maybe a strip mm-hmm. sack on Trevor Lawrence on the big stage. If I'm going to start getting considerations for a Senior Bowl or something, the only thing you worry about is Clemson offense already gets the ball pretty quickly. Yeah, oh, I hate Clemson those. offense. Got you. Mm-hmm. You Trevor Lawrence has had this bad year. To start off with, they're probably going to throw. They're probably going to get the ball in his hands immediately. Get out, get out of the Charlotte game. Without you know, Highsmith doesn't got a bunch of ETN good guys hurt. on the second. You're not, yeah, you're not necessarily his his game against the second stringers might be more important than Jeez. the first stringers here. Unfortunately, that's unfortunate. But still, I think the spread is, is like forty thing, points. Yeah, so I, I, you're but probably still not one wrong. to watch early on in the game just to see the six snaps he plays against Ankrum, yeah. uh, and it's like two point five seconds to drop. Oh yeah. man, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's somewhat close. So you just see a couple true pass rushes. You have true pass sets. Exactly. Pass rush against a true mm-hmm. pass set. We'd like to see that. Um, it, my guy, I bring him up. I feel like every podcast because I really like him, and he's going against <laughs> another matchup where I feel like you can start to see. I was going to clip. He had a great route this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to clip it, but it wasn't good on broadcast. But he, man, he's beating guys at the line of scrimmage. He looks fast. He looks twitchy. City College transfer, Aesop Winston Jr. of Washington State. I, I, I'm nervous because you're not in on him. I get it, but I, I feel like UCLA. He should see some reps against Darnay Holmes, mm-hmm. a guy we liked coming in. Didn't look super great against Oklahoma. I feel like he's, but that was his first game back. First mm-hmm. game of this season. He's going against Aesop. Only one drop on 91 targets in his college career. That's not City College. That's Washington <laughs> State. Four touchdowns. I, again, he can create separation. He's got four force missed tackles after the catch. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I know it's a City College transfer. I think this guy might have something. I'm just, I'm just going to say this right now. I hate to break it to you, but Aesop Winston plays right wide receiver. Mm hmm. Darnay Holmes plays right corner. Uh, so we're not going to see, see it. They're not going to see each other. Dang once. it. I'm sorry. It just, uh, I had, but, I mean, at least it's going to go. I mean, I don't I know, let man. you down easy there. I, I, hope, I still hope he beats the but brakes no, I mean, off somebody. UCLA, the other corner. Yeah. Yeah. I, we'll see. He'll probably have himself a day. Maybe it's not a matchup to watch. Maybe it's just, you know, watch him if <laughs> you, watch if you have time. Um, let's, go, let's just dive into our next game here. One last game to preview of the Saturday slate, and then we're going to Sunday slate, meaning we're going to the NFL. We're going to be talking some rookies. 
Oklahoma State, Texas. Two more games. Two, two more, more games? games? Wisco, Michigan. Oh, that's on got me. Got That's our other game of the week on yeah. PFF Greenline. we got two games of the week. I like it. Well, let's go to Oklahoma State and Texas yeah. first. Um, the, the, the biggest reason I have this game circled, it doesn't have as much NFL talent as it does Georgia-Notre Dame, but I think it's got two receivers that, I, in my opinion, still have a lot to prove. Tylan Wallace and Colin Johnson. Let's start with Tylan Wallace. Yes. He has 16 receptions right now if you, don't, if you include no plays, a play nullified by penalty. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I watched every single one. I'm going to walk you through what the routes are. Okay. Screen. Mm-hmm. Screen. Mm-hmm. Contested catch TD, I liked it. Yeah. Off coverage hitch. Screen, screen, screen. Contested catch on an offsides penalty. Mm. Deeper curl route against off coverage. Quick slant against off coverage. Screen, screen. Runs a nice hitch. Terrible play on the ball. Deep, deep go from the slot. It, or or t- not terrible play on the ball. Terrible play by the corner. Deep go from the slot. I need more wide receiver routes. That's, yeah. Way too many screens. And he's turning these like passes behind the line of scrimmage into long plays. So when you look at the box score, you're just like mm-hmm. waxing poetic about Tylan uh, Wallace. Dude, I need to see way more routes. So some posts, some ins, some digs. I, I yeah. need way more from Tylan Wallace before I'm willing to buy in his whatever 300 receiving yards. Yeah. And the good news is he's going up against the one and only DBU. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. You guys don't get that. Texas before the LSU game, the DBs were wearing there's only one DBU shirts. Which Jeez. The ever elusive I don't think DBU. anyone's. I don't think anyone's ever referred to Texas since like maybe 2010 as DBU. Unironically. Yikes. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think you just need to see him mm-hmm. because that's it's the offense. The product of the offense he's in those big numbers. Yes. And they're the big numbers catch your eye, and you think. And oh, don't get guy, me wrong, I like his yards after catch. Yeah, he's fast. Produces. He's quick. I think he can make plays with the balls in his hands. But I, I do need to see more of yeah. these wide receiver wins yeah, on wide receiver, like true yeah. NFL routes. You, you know? see, yeah, exactly. It goes down to what are you going to be asked to do at the next level? You're not going to the amount of guys that come in to the NFL and are immediately the person in that offense that gets the screen, mm-hmm. that gets the scheme production for them. Not so happening. few. That's yes. not happening to you as a rookie. You that's have great, to go that's create your own. You're going to be the number two. That's kind of what we said about own. Nikhil Harry. Yeah. I and mean, Nikhil Harry had so much schemed production. Yes, he was and you the said feature. that same thing to me. It's like, what are you going to do? Bring Nikhil Harry in and then make him your scheme production guy where you're throwing behind the yeah. line of scrimmage a ton? I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. So. And he hasn't had a catch this season. No, he's on the injured reserve. But um, I want to talk Colin yeah. Johnson as well. Mm-hmm. Going into him, including those no plays again, when you're able to filter in PFF system, you can include plays nullified by penalty. Only one catch on seven contested opportunities. <sighs> if you're a big guy, we said this on Tuesday, if you are a big receiver, you need to catch the ball in contested situations. It's why you're big. Yeah. You know, and, and I think to see that has been a concern. Not great production to start. And he has a good QB, in my opinion. He needs to have a big game. And mm-hmm. he's going against oh, A.J. Yeah. Green. Or we yeah. should see some of A.J. Green from Oklahoma State, who's graded well at times. He's, he's, he, some people love this guy, but he hasn't graded well a ton. But I think this is a good matchup for Colin Johnson and, and definitely a player to watch trying to kind of bounce back a little bit. No, A.J. Green is going to be a great match because A.J. Green is a guy who is good at the catch point. So mm-hmm. this, will be, this will be a good proving ground for him. A.J. Green, 25 forced incompletions last season. I, I think that led uh, Power 5 cornerbacks. He is he is good at the catch point. He's good at breaking up pass. So if you can do, you know, if you can make your contested catches against a guy like yeah. AJ Green, he needs to have like a three for three contested catch day. That will. He he has a lot to make up mm-hmm. for after the start to his year. It's just been rough for him. So Colin Absolutely. Johnson, a good, a good, you know, and the proving ground for him. One more game before we, or one more Saturday slate before mm-hmm. we dive into the Sunday slate. Michigan, Wisconsin. This one, again, game of the week on PFF.com if you want to check out all your betting odds and stuff. But there's some prospect talent here. And so I think, you know, you look at the Wisconsin offensive line, we didn't bring this guy up as a sinking ship, but he needs to improve. Talk to me about him. Yeah, Tyler Biotish, their center, was IOL1, was our top interior lineman heading into the year. He's dropped to IOL2 after the first couple games here. Uh, had a rough outing. 
uh, this past week against Central Michigan. Just I, he's just not a. So I, I thought coming into the year he had had back to back years of being a top three grade center in the in the college football. I thought you're just going to see dominance from yeah. him. I, I thought he could have declared last year. I thought you were going to see game in, game out, you know, clean, doesn't lose at all. And against USF in Central Michigan, that's not who we've seen so far. And that's just not great competition. But, again, it's only two games. It's still a small sample size to make a huge opinion on. He dropped to 29th on our draft board. But going up against Michigan – they always refill talent along that defensive line. They're, they've been yeah, they got some highly graded defensive, defensive linemen line. right now. And they, well, they went up against Middle Tennessee and Army, uh, two, two not good offensive lines, we'll just say, uh, to be nice about it. But it's still, they have talent along this defensive front to where uh, this would be a proven ground. Uh, Wisconsin offensive line got kind of their butts handed to them last year against Michigan. That was one of the games where I saw Bo Benshaw against and I was just like he is not uh, I don't want I don't, I'm not going to be drafting that guy after watching him against Michigan because Michigan they're quick they're what you're going to see in the NFL in terms of athletically uh, and Bo Benshaw just was all over the place all had his face on the ground more way more times than you'd like so Cole Van Lannan at left tackle Tyler mm-hmm. Biash at center a great proving ground for them and a great proving ground for this Michigan defensive line because they pretty much lost everybody last year the guys that are playing now Carlo Kemp defensive tackle Josh Uchi they didn't even have 400 snaps yeah, last yeah. season. They were. Well, that's what happens backups. with Michigan every year, though. They yeah. kind of like they, they push Reload. out, you know, their draft potential uh, prospects, and then these new guys that come in yeah. somehow are still freaks yeah. and already grading really well. So those two uh, definitely names to watch. And then Central Michigan transfer uh, Mike Dana mm-hmm. hasn't started off hot, hasn't played a ton uh, in their first couple games. Graded out over 90 last year at Central Michigan, so this would be a good game for him against Cole Van Lannan if he sees them. So uh, I just think there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Just watch the trenches in the in trenches for sure. I want to bring up uh, on Biotish, um my background write-up for the 2020 preseason draft guide. Wisconsin native, guy was born and bred, had five offers coming out. Illinois State, South Dakota State, Southern Illinois, Western Illinois. Illinois was all over, ready mm-hmm. to rock. And then obviously Wisconsin. Decision was a That's no-brainer. My, committed to the Badgers as a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And then after a redshirt year, moves away from defensive line, starts as center. People are loving this kid. The, the coaching staff's like, yeah, this guy may be, like, might be legit. An off start, but I think he can have a big comeback game against oh, Michigan. Yeah. You do it against Michigan, and still in the, in the first round, a uh, first round talent mm-hmm. on the board. Um, he's a bounce back game against Carlo Kemp and, and company. I think will be good for him, and, and kind of much needed at this point. Um, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for the Saturday slate. That's the preview. That's, that's the, the preview. So we're gonna that would that concludes all of our college prospect previews. As huh? it was. What's on draft? Exactly. What's on draft? That's going to include what's on draft, the Saturday slate. And then we're going to go right into the sun, t- talking about rookies on Sunday and Monday. Definitely rookies to watch. Let's kick it off. Oakland Raiders going to Minnesota playing with Josh Jacobs. Yeah. He's the highest graded running back in, in PFF system right now. Showing really well from a force miss tackle standpoint. We talked about this on Tuesday, though. Needs to get involved as a receiver. Get him on Anthony Barr. Get him on Eric Hendricks. And oh, man. Let's see what he can do. Just get get him, him, open. Get involved in some of those, mm-hmm. you know. Take that running back wheel from Kansas City's playbook. You just played Kansas City, yeah. John Gruden. They got to take something take, from that game. <laughs> take, like, take like three or four of those plays and start throwing to Josh Jacobs because I want to see what this guy can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see the full skill set. On the ground's been great. On the ground, no, you know, obviously you said highest graded in the NFL. Uh, it's going to be tough sledding against Minnesota defense. It's a good defensive line, but I want to see throw this cat the football. Plus, Raiders are getting back Rinchy Incognito. Holes are going to be bigger. This mm. guy's going to be throwing people around. So, Rinchy Incognito, yeah. well, he loves his 
Big haul. <laughs> so you got Richie Incognito in the trenches. Jacobs should get going. I mean, they're going to feed this guy. They don't have skill players outside of him, really. Yeah. I mean, Tyrell Williams was cool for a game. You're going to need to get back into the fold here with Josh Jacobs. You know, pound the rock mm-hmm. as you would, establish it, and yeah. let's see the Josh oh, Jacobs. the run will be established. It, it, the run like will that. be established, but mm-hmm. also let's split this guy out, get him involved in different ways. He's easily, I would say easily their best skill player right now. People were raving about Darren Waller, but this guy, I think, offers the most value on a per yeah. Target per opportunity basis. I think he needs to get heavily involved as he gets going. But we didn't even talk about this. He posted an Instagram this morning. Did you see it? He's lost 10 pounds because he's sick. Oh, so I don't know if he's even going to play in this game. He might have mono. He's been hanging out with Sam Darnold. Oh, Josh Jacobs, mono. What's going on? Sick. You heard it here first. No, you didn't hear it here first. But he did post that he's, he's sick and he's 10 lost pounds. 10 pounds. Well, he's going to be quicker then. Maybe he's that's faster. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of the update on Jacobs. Mm. I, I got to bring up this guy. I went back and watched all his routes, all of his targets and receptions. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin, he's going against the Chicago Bears defense. I think this is going to be a good matchup for him. I think they're going to be keying on him. Two games in, Bears are looking at the scouting report that PFF sent them. He's played in not, over 90% of their offensive snaps. Mm-hmm. He's leading their team in target share. We need to stop this guy, stop this offense. Case Keenum can't throw anywhere else anyway. Yeah, and I think he's going to be, with him being keyed on, this early in his rookie career, he's going to be tested. What is a good Bears secondary, I'm excited to see if he can produce. Yeah, 142.2 passer rating when targeted so far. I mean, maybe throw to him every time mm-hmm. for Case Keenum. Yeah. Maybe don't throw to anyone else. Paul uh, Richardson Jr., offense. though, <laughs> is good for about one contested catch every two years. So yes. I feel like if you bank on that. No, but McLaurin, I love what I've seen. On the vertical route tree, he is tough to stop. I mean, mm-hmm. he, has been, he has been torching cornerbacks down the football field. This is a good test, though, for mm-hmm. cornerbacks down the football field. Shadow Bears don't let up a lot of big plays. Uh, one of the best safety tandems in the NFL, one of the best cornerback tandems yeah. in the NFL. It's just a good defense. So this will be a real test uh, for him. 187 yards through two games. Uh, if he gets, you know, gets up around 100 again, this is you know, number one receiver uh, yes. type of in an Winning offense. Winning that vertical territory. route tree is important. I also like that when the Redskins are trying to come back in week two, they went to this guy on, on big downs, like third down, need to convert. Or they might have been fourth down. I don't remember. It was third or fourth down, needed to convert, quick slant, Terry McLaurin, right to him. <laughs> then when they get that first down, I think they're inside the five-yard line, need a touchdown, fade. Terry McLaurin, or no, it was kind of like a back shoulder. It didn't go full fade, but threw up a kind of back shoulder right back to him again. They were leaning on this guy not only to be like the driver of their offense, but also in key situations, like this is the best guy we've got. And he's a little different from your Deshaun Jacksons, Marquise Goodwins, that mm-hmm. you're the guys you think oh, are yeah. deep, he's 209 pounds. Exactly. He is solid. Like, mm-hmm. like this guy is not a small 4-3 speed type of guy. He is a 4-3 speed coming at you mm-hmm. who also, uh, you're not going to be able to push me around. And he moves well, I think, in short areas. He's not like a, he, he's got good changes of direction, in my opinion. I think this, I, we haven't seen him a ton against press. You saw him against Byron, Byron Jones, Cowboys, shoved him off a little bit on his hitch that I liked. But I would like to see him get involved a little bit more at the line of scrimmage. I didn't see a ton of like line of scrimmage wins yeah. yet. But I think they're going to key on him. Chicago's are going to key on him. I think that's a matchup to watch, or really a game to watch. Um, receiver again, Marquise Brown, you know, kind of tying a bow on our Sunday and Monday preview for rookies. Marquise Brown going against Kansas City Chiefs. This Ravens-Chiefs game, I think, is no like probably the game of the week. I mean, it's going to be really good yes, to see both, I love this both teams 2-0. Ravens look better than ever. Lamar Jackson looks like Peyton Manning. I don't know. It, 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 everyone's all in. With Marquise Brown, he played more snaps in week two mm-hmm. after playing, I think, was it 14 snaps in week one, yeah. more snaps in week two. I think he's going to now be a very key part of this offense. They're not going to be able to just go in there and run the football and win this game. You know, yeah. Patrick Mahomes can put 28 points up in one quarter they, as he did against the Raiders. They may be able to run the football and just run mm-hmm. this game, though, with that Chiefs defense. Yeah. But uh, Marquise Brown... Uh, just should I mean it's just such a favorable matchup yeah, for him. Yeah. This should this be, he bad. should go to town 
on this Chiefs secondary already leads the NFL in yards per route. Uh, I mean, it's about as good a start as we've seen to uh, receivers' career since, what, Odell Beckham? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only two games. You pump the brakes yeah. a little bit, but we just haven't seen receivers hit the ground running quite like Marquise Brown Man. has here yeah. uh, in that Ravens McLaren, offense. though, is on pace, though. I, maybe he hasn't yeah. looked as explosive, but, but I do like what McLaurin's put on tape. But at the same time, McLaurin's put great stuff on tape. Marquise Brown's over twice his yards per route at yeah, this point. Yeah. Marquise Brown's just in another yeah. level in terms of how Gotta efficient he's Got to tip your cap, though, to Lamar Jackson. That, yeah. that deep ball to Marquise Brown, yeah. right sideline, whew, that was yeah. pretty. I mean, it's been a the synergy of that offense has looked gorgeous through two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stick to to quote Tuesday's <laughs> This is not what stick to it is. No, that no, it's not. <laughs> but, no, I do think, like I said, I love Marquise Brown coming out. We call him first rounder, but he was not the top receiver on our board. Uh, we may have missed. He, he might. He looks like the best receiver uh, from this class right off the bat. Mismatch nightmare, and he's going against a guy. It's going to be like nose ghost who covers him. You know, in Kansas City, no one really wants to step up to the plate there. I think yeah. it's going to be a struggle for them to kind of contain him. That's going to conclude our rookie preview. That Sunday and Monday slate. Excited for this week. Really excited to see all these rookies and you know that Saturday slate. Man, when the babies hit, natural hits. I'm going to be ready to rock. Last segment, kind of close the podcast. Last call. You know, last yeah. call for the beers. This is where I kind of want to talk to you. On if there's one game, I know there's only three games on Friday, but if there's one game on Friday that you're watching that we kind of talked about, where are you watching and why? Utah, yep. USC. Zach Moss uh, is breaking tackles at an absurd, absurd rate. Can he continue to do it? I know he hasn't faced terrible defenses, but he can he continue to do it through the Pac-12 schedule? Is he going to be the you know number one receiver on our draft board? When excuse me, running back on our draft board when it's all said and done? Because we love guys that can break tackles. Mm-hmm. I think that we've seen in our data that's one of the sort of data Predictive. points that tr- translates best to the next level and something that running backs can control. Can't always control your blocking. You can control mm-hmm. making the guy in front of you miss. So I was Moss, talking to um, Eric and. Yeah, I was talking to Eric and George about what kind of like predictive stats for running backs and kind of from college to pro, elusiveness. You know, yards after contact per touch, uh, forceless tackles per touch. Those really do translate year over year at the college level, year over year in the NFL. And you do see that translate going from college to pros. And there's one more guy in that Utah. I'm not going to say anything nice about USC, obviously. One more guy, though, in Utah that we have to watch that we haven't really even Bradley touched and on. Bradley and I A. I knew it. Yes. 90.3 pass Dude, rushing Paul grade. Lish. I Yes, he has This is probably the most complete set of pass rushing moves Man. of any college pass rusher in the country is not particularly explosive, not particularly strong. Like yes. doesn't really like again. Excited, another reason why man, he doesn't. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous in mm. terms of what he can do with his hands. A uh, little bit of flexibility, I, and if if you produce at this elite level consistently, the last two games, pass rushing grades over ninety. If you can do that for the season, already fifteen pressures. Uh, I can ignore some athletic limitations. Mm-hmm. If That's a guy with like hands and, and yes. all these like a great array of moves. And he's not like. Super under, he's not like 6'3", 230. Mm-hmm. He's 6'3", 265. Like he has oh, NFL beef. size. He house. has size. He's just not the sort of explosiveness. and the, He's not that sort of athlete that you love to draft highly, but he can still be a productive NFL player. I, my, my game to watch for Friday is also Utah for Zach Moss, for Bradley and A, but also Michael Pittman. I, I do think you, this is a guy to key on. I think he's, um, you know, like I said, doesn't look 6'4", 220. He runs like he's smaller, and I think that's what I yeah. like with big receivers. When you can look smaller than mm-hmm. you are and, and make these plays, I'm excited. Brown-esque. Yes, AJ Brown at There you yeah. go. Oh, now game. You know, next game to watch on Saturday. There's gonna be a lot of games. I know you're gonna be watching Notre Dame Georgia, but from a yeah, prospect, that's my last yeah, call. yeah. What's your what's your last call? Prospect <laughs> prospect last call here. Hopefully, my last calls uh, is after the game, not not like <laughs> not at halftime. Half <laughs> <laughs> then I'm in bed 
But the prospect matchup to watch is the Andrew Thomas versus uh, Aquara. Mm-hmm. I, I could see legitimately two of those guys. I could see Aquara and Thomas ending up top 10 picks when it's all said and done. They're that special uh, of players. So I do think that matchup will be one of the matchups of, you know, 2019 football season. My last call for Saturday. I will be watching that game with you. Oklahoma State, Texas, though. Two receivers that I want to prove me wrong. Not necessarily prove me wrong, but prove something. You know, yeah. I want to see Tylen Wallace do more than catch screen passes, and I want to see Colin Johnson win a couple contested catches against yeah. a good A.J. Green at the catch point. There's opportunity, Wallace and Johnson. Freaking show it to me. <laughs> I need it. All right, last call for Sunday. It's going to be the last call of the podcast. Mm-hmm. What are you watching on Sunday? What's your last call for Sunday? <sighs> My last call for Sunday uh, you go first. All right, I'll go first. I, I think Terry McLaurin, it, 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 you know, I need to watch this guy. I need okay. to, every time. I think that you know, going against the Chicago Bears defense, I hit on it earlier. I think this is a good opportunity to see a guy that's already the, the number one target in the offense, playing a significant snap mm-hmm. count. You know, really almost won that game for Washington. Did everything he could to win that game for Washington, and now has a week to prep. You know, for a Bears defense that's going to be keying in on him. If he goes invisible, like a four target, one reception, seven yard game. Okay, he needs some time. Yeah. But if he blows this up and, and helps this Washington team to keep this close against Trubisky, I, I, do, I do think you're going to start to hear about start McLaren. It's O'Roy. Yeah. You're going to start getting some O'Roy mm. conversations for McLaren. Okay, my last call is the guy I love coming out who has not lived up to expectations through two games, Jerry Tillery. But he's going up against the Texans offensive line. Work. Oh, Titus if, Howard. If that light switch doesn't flip right now, hey – Light switch may not flip his rookie season. But yeah. He has a 44.5 overall grade right oh now. I didn't think gosh. run defense was going to be a strength coming out. It's been bad. But I thought he'd at least be able to get after the passer, and he has not. He had that one highlight in preseason. And, you know, while we're no, on it. No one hangs their hat yeah. on if you hang your hat, if you sort of take your victory lap in preseason, you're, you're a squid. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's not where it's, it's won. He doesn't have a pressure yet. 22 pass Oh, my snaps. goodness. Well, he's going against Titus Howard. But yes. That guy sucks. He's going I think he's going to have an opportunity. He's got an opportunity makers. to show. He can create pass, you know, create a pass rush. It'll be interesting to see. That's a good last call. Well, this is going to do it. It's yeah. going to do it for two for one drafts. It's our fourth episode. It feels feels so good. I feel like we're getting we're getting our groove. No, people are liking it. And guess what? We are on Apple Podcasts. We see in the YouTube comments. You guys want us on Apple Podcasts? We okay. deliver. Okay, talk about our last call. We deliver. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and we're live on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's been a great show. Thank you, Mike. And this has been Austin Gale. Two for one drafts.